Should I preach or should I tell you about my weekend? I could probably do both. Yeah. I'll go to Acts chapter 2. <laughs> That's a mouthful right there. Acts chapter 2. I just want to talk to you about kingdom culture, so that's going to blend right in with some testimonies too, okay? God did so many powerful things this weekend. I probably don't have enough time to share all of it. But I just want to just go over this again. So last week we talk about, talked about tarrying until. We're going to forever stay there. We're going to tarry until. Tarry until the Lord shows up. Tarry until something changes. Tarry until you're filled with power from on high. Amen. And God wants us to uh, just continue to go through this book for a bit. And um, I really feel like he wanted to speak about kingdom culture um, tonight. Because we see here, right, first couple of verses. I'm not going to really hone in on, on many verses here. But I just want you to look. When the Holy Spirit came, he brought a new language. And I started thinking about this. I'm like, God, well, it was just... It was, a, it was a language, it was a literal language. Like, because all the people around, when they were filled with the Holy Spirit, they began to speak in new languages, literally, that people could understand. Okay, but I want you to just see that God wants to give us, really, he could give you a supernatural language. I've heard of that happening many times with people, testimonies of people just talking, they thought they're talking in tongues and they're talking in, in someone's native tongue and, and speaking, you know, testimony and glorifying God in, in some unknown tongue that they didn't know. Amen? And so there has to be uh, an openness, ready? Because when God gives us a new language, this is, ready? Because we're, we're living in a new culture, it's a kingdom culture, and God wants to give us a fresh new language. Now, you may have been speaking in tongues since you've been three. But God wants to re make, release fresh uh, vocabulary to you in that language. Are you hearing me? And so I believe that the Spirit of God wants us to look at a couple things because I, I really, as I was looking at this, I'm like, it says in verse 6, when, they, when the sound occurred and the multitude came together, they were confused because everyone heard them speak in their own language. And then we have Paul talking in, in, in chapter 14 of, of 1 Corinthians. And I just want to hit this for a minute because God wants a prophetic sound to come from you. There's a, there's a language of tongues that no one understands and only God understands. Ready? So it's going to be right here. Verse, uh, verse 1, chapter 14, 1 Corinthians here. It says, pursue love and desire spiritual gifts, but especially that you may prophesy. And here's what I think. I think prophecy is the most effective. Why? Because you can get words of knowledge. That's prophecy. You can get words of wisdom. That's prophecy. You can get uh, utterances through tongues. That's prophecy. It's all utterance, right? You can get words of wisdom. You can, get, you can release miracles through words of knowledge. And you can release healing through words of knowledge. So they're all intertwined into one thing. So the prophetic is the language that we want to speak. But then it goes on to say, he who speaks in a tongue does not speak to men but to God. Someone say hallelujah. hallelujah. There's, a, there's, a, there's a tongue that God wants to give you that is direct to the Lord. And he wants you to have that. It's a gift. And really, I know there's people in the room here that they're like, wow, I don't know, I'm not ready. But I'm telling you, God wants to pour it out for people in this room to get a new spiritual language. Amen? And you may have not have spoken in tongues ever, but God wants to release it to you. And here's what I think. I think that as, as, as the Holy Spirit, like just moments like we just had, 
I love it when they kick the door down. I love it when we have a worship team. The worshipers, I'll just say that, should be all of us. When we kick the door down to anything that's hindering, any, like, passive thing inside of us that we just get real soft and numb to the presence of God. Can I tell you, tongues will shake that right off of you. Speaking in the new tongue will shake that right off of you. Why? Because you just can't understand it, and it's a direct line to the Holy Ghost. Amen? It's powerful. And so he goes on. He says this. He says, however, but the Spirit speaks what? Mysteries. And we want to know mysteries. I don't know about you. I want to know the mysteries of God. And God wants to flow in the mysteries and in the mystical realm for you. And it comes through your your language. Come on, look at your neighbor and say, you better change your language. better watch your language. (laughs) Young man, watch your language. And then it goes on to say this. It says, he who prophesies speaks for edification, exhortation, and comfort men. That's your New Testament model for prophecy. Amen. Not that God doesn't speak to prophets and they have words for nations. I believe that's still... Listen, it's Old Testament. These guys were preaching from where? The Old Testament. Paul was writing with a Jewish mindset of the law and the prophets. Okay? So it doesn't nullify words that come to nations to shift nations. Amen? Because how many know, repent or the, for the, so that the kingdom of God can come. Amen? That was, that's the kingdom message. Repent for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. And so there has to be a change, there has to be a call to repentance, there has to be all that. And sometimes that doesn't feel like comfort. Sometimes that doesn't feel like edification. But God wants to put us in line. I wasn't going to talk about all this, but here we go. And so there's a reality that God wants to bring us into that he wants you to prophesy. Look at your neighbor and say prophesy. Prophesy. Yeah, you don't look convinced. Look at that neighbor and say prophesy. Come on. God wants you to prophesy, okay? Say, I don't have the faith to prophesy. Yes, you do. Yes, you do. Because he's given you a measure of faith. So even if it's God wins, that's a prophecy. Come on, you got to start somewhere. And I believe that the Lord wants us, our language to change. And so, again, back to edification, back to stirring up your spirit with the Holy Spirit, right? Through tongues. It edifies your spirit, man. So listen, when I, when I get, when I feel like I'm going deep with God, when the, even when the tongues came as, as Tori was praying and over the microphone, I, I feel like the wind just comes. Amen? And God wants you to be filled with power. Guess what fills you with power? The Holy Ghost. The Holy Spirit fills you with power. And so if he's, he's got a language he wants you to use, that's what he wants you to use. Say, well, it went away with the, with the apostles and prophets of old. No, it did not. It's still evident today. I can tell you because I'm a tongue-talking child. Come on, I got tongue-talking people all around me. And God wants us to be a, a people that are comfortable in speaking in other tongues. Listen, it's, it's drying up in mainline Pentecostal churches. It is. Oh, that the Methodists would prophesy and begin to speak in other tongues. Oh, that the Southern Baptists would prophesy and speak in other tongues. Come on. It's not out, it's in. Verse, I'll just go. Verse 5, I wish you all spoke with with tongues, but even more than that you prophesy. And he who prophesies is greater than he who speaks with tongues, unless he indeed interprets that the church may receive edification. 
Verse 6, but now, brethren, I come to you speaking with tongues. What shall, excuse me, what shall I profit you unless I speak to you either by revelation, by knowledge, or by prophesying, or by teaching? Even these things without life, whether fruit, flute, or harp, ready life. There we go. That's what I wanted you to grab. God wants the living water <laughs> out of your belly. Out of your belly flows rivers, not drip, drip, rivers of living water. And that's how, the, how your prayer language should flow from you. You shouldn't be embarrassed to pray in tongues. Oh, I'm telling you, I was with Maria all weekend. Every time she gets in the, in the vehicle, she's like, shut up, ba, 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 ba. I'm telling you, there is just... There's a flow, and what it does is it shifts the atmosphere. Even to me, I was sitting in the front seat driving, and she's just praying in tongues, and I'm feeling real good. I'm just feeling good driving, just watching my GPS to find out where we're going. But I'm telling you, as we pray in tongues, it releases power. And so this is kingdom culture. You need to learn a new language. Sometimes you may just have to learn it. I'm not into imitating, but sometimes maybe you just need a little, you need a couple training wheels. Okay, but I want to see the flow, that river that's flowing out of you to erupt and it expands. Come on, everyone in this room, Lord, we just ask that you expand us in our language of heaven. I ask, Holy Spirit, that you expand people in this room with their language to you, Father. I pray that, Father, there becomes this spirit-to-spirit -spirit communication that happens within this church, within this place, God, within New England, that begins to erupt from a people, that we begin to flow in the Holy Spirit, and we just begin to release a culture of language that begins to flow. And, I, and Lord, would you change our, our language? Come on. God is going to give you, be even through, I'm just going to say this, and I'm going to prophesy this to you. As you have a, a prayer language and you begin to get fluent in that prayer language, he begins to expand your natural language so that you make sense in the things of the Spirit. Come on. We think it's not important. I'm, I guarantee you it's important. And so don't put it to the side. Don't shove it in a basket and say, I'll, I'll deal with that later. No, God wants you to flow in the spirit your whole life. As a matter of fact, the longer you've been in it, the stronger you should be. Don't get dull and old and broken down. Come on, I prophesy life to your body. I prophesy life to your spirit man. Your spirit man should never get broken down. I don't care what you've been through in a church. God wants to raise you up and he wants to lift you to higher places. He says there's a door open for you and he wants you to live from that place. Amen? All right, back to chapter 2 in Acts. So there's a culture that he wants to bring and there's a culture that he wants to birth. And we see here, we see Peter, he just begins to preach. And he basically calls out everyone who's in the, in the room or in the field. 3,000 people. He just begins to preach and say, this is what you did. You crucified the Lord of glory. But he came that we would have life. And he rose from the, the grave. And this, so as, as we just go through these things, I just want you to understand the gospel is power. It doesn't have to change. We don't have to polish it. The best thing to polish it up is the, is the language of the kingdom. What I just told you, what I just spoke to you, what I just encourage you to do, begin to pray in the Holy Spirit more. As you're here, as we come into prayer meetings, pray in the Holy Spirit. I know, I know this, you know, as, and then there's things that I missed that I didn't uh, talk about in 14 because it talks about coming together in a room and, and it being confusing to someone who comes from outside in. If they're a non-believer, because prophecy, what? It will make them think, wow, God's in the room because they're prophesying my life story to me. Come on, you know when someone reads your mail. Yeah, God wants to read your mail. And so that's why, that's why, the, that's why the defining, it doesn't say, no, throw it away. You would rather prophesy. Paul says, yeah, prophesy. That's the main thing I want you to do. But he says, pray in the Holy Ghost. I'm hitting it so hard tonight. 
But I'm telling you, God is going to do something powerful in that. And, and as, as they receive the language, Peter's like, hey, this is what's going on. This is that. This is the outpouring that you saw. This was the, the outpouring that was prophesied from Joel. This is that. This is that. That's what's happen, happening in, in, in any revival that we've seen in history. When God begins to pour out his spirit, we begin to see and we begin to identify with Joel 2 and Acts 2. Because God wants to pour out his spirit on the earth over and over and over and over again. It doesn't mean we have to go. It, the, the scripture tells us to go from glory to glory. Not from fainting to fainting. No, we're supposed to be energized by the energy, by the, by the energy of what? The, pour, the outpouring of the Spirit on the church. It is vital that we have an outpouring. It is vital that we have the true outpouring of God in, in the region. It's vital, it's necessary to shift things. Never mind everything else, in you, in me. It's, it's necessary. And we have to cry out. That's why the Maranatha cried, Jesus, come. Holy Spirit, come. We don't need anything else other than you. I just want one spirit, your spirit. Come on, that's the cry of the Holy Spirit in this place. And whether you know it or not, sometimes they're up here and they're prophesying to you. I'm telling you. And, and here's the result of Holy Ghost preaching, preaching the gospel, preaching, preaching the cross, preaching the blood of Jesus Christ, preaching the resurrection. It says in verse 37, it says, when they heard this, they were what? Cut. They were cut to the heart. And God's going to bring back cut to the heart preaching. I believe that. I believe he's going to bring back preaching that changes us. It cuts our heart. It cuts the stone out and releases a flesh heart that says, God, what must I do to be saved? Again today. What must I do to be born again again? I'm dull. I'm weary. I need you. And really that's the thing. If, if, if the Holy Spirit can come in such power to a people that he begins to manifest himself and we begin to realize, God, I need you more than anything. And I can't wait till he finishes preaching so I can dive to the altar. Not because of me, because of the Holy Spirit. Right, so I'm asking the Holy Spirit, listen, I just saw, I just left like 70 crazy charismatic Catholics. Most of them were my friends. They're all my friends now. But I, I'm just telling you, it was so refreshing again. Because there's such a hunger. There is such a beautiful hunger. And God moved in miracles. Demons were flying out of people. Demons. At the preaching of the word. All you have to do is talk about the Holy Ghost and they'll go. People struggling to cast people, you know, cast stuff out. I'm like, no. Unforgiveness, go. No, seriously, God is doing something powerful. I'm telling you that the Holy Spirit, listen, there's no room for unforgiveness. You can't hold on to anything. You're indicting God if you come into the house of God with unforgiveness. Did I just say that? I did. No, it's, it, can't, it can't be in his presence. It's no, it's, it will not profit you. It, it hurts you and actually builds strongholds in your life. And you don't even realize it. And I watched as demons were coming out of people because of unforgiveness, because of, of poverty, poverty, like an impoverished spirit, just screaming, coming out with a word. Come on, that's how I know the kingdom's there. Crazy conditions getting healed. <laughs> so crazy. It reminded me of the Philippines. It did. It was like so like instant. It was awesome. 
This girl was looking for a tumor for 20 minutes. I said, stop. It's gone. The Spirit of God is one. Listen, I'm telling you right here, right now, this should be every week. Every week, someone should be getting healed of something. Demons, well, we'll deal with the religious demons. Demons should be flowing out of people. And you don't have to manifest, but you can get free. I've watched week after week out of some people that, listen, I thought, man, they're intercessors. They don't need freedom. And God's setting them free. Come on. It's a good thing. Deliverance is here so that you're free. We are afraid. We get, you know, oh, it's going to get messy. Demons are going to fly. We've got to take them in the back room. No, let them flop on the floor. I'm fine with it. Let it disturb the whole meeting. I don't think Jesus said take them in the back room. Be worried about demons, demons jumping from one person to the next. All right? Y'all better just calm down with that stuff. No, people have got weird things that they believe. I saw this, you know, you read that the sons of Skiva get their butts kicked. But that's about it. You read that seven more will come back. Right? After the one, after the one's gone, he'll make room for the next seven to come if you go back to the same things. How are we doing tonight? <laughs> God's good. I'm telling you. Here we go. We'll just keep going, all right? Repent. Verse 38. Peter said to them, repent. I have a feeling Peter liked that. I just feel like Peter's that guy. Repent. Let every one of you be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of sins. And you shall receive the Holy Spirit. Right? It's mandatory. I just feel like it's mandatory. You shouldn't get saved and not get the Holy Ghost after. For the promise is to you and to your children's children and all who are afar off. That means every generation, right? From Acts onward, right? As we perpetually go into the, into the millennium and watch, watch the Lord come in power, right? And then it says this. It says, and, many, and, and with many other words, he testified and exhorted them, saying, be saved from this perverse generation. How many know we need that? We need that message today. We need a message that's going to shake people out of their complacency. We're going to shake the church out of their complacent lifestyles. <laughs> you know, I, I was just thinking, first time I, 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 the evangelist, right, I was like literally so green. Back at Pastor Scott's church a long time ago, right? And, my, and the, the visiting evangelist said, I'm not going to be here, so Miles is taking over the meeting. Well, that night we get to pray. I saw people healed, but I saw a demon come out of a lady that I thought, like, man, she doesn't have demons. I don't know why I'm on the demons tonight. I'm just saying, listen, anyone can have a demon that wants one. No, I know that's a bold statement, but it's true. You can have one if you want one. Just open doors. Don't forgive. Oh, it opens doors, I promise you. I don't know why I'm hitting it. But there's, there's this thing that opens up your life to the enemy coming in. And listen, I'm telling you, God wants to set people free tonight of unforgiveness. They want to, he wants to set people free tonight of things that they may be holding in their heart. I don't care where it happened. God wants you free. 
And I'm telling you, there is something that the Spirit of God wants us to, to tap into. And I'm, I don't mean to flippantly say anyone can have a demon. I do, but I don't. You don't want a devil. But sometimes we just, I feel like it's, there's ignorance, but then there's intentionality in the way we, we operate in our lives. Like we make decisions based on fear. We make decisions based on past hurts. We make decisions on all kinds of things. And it's, you don't understand the influence is coming from a spirit. But we weren't supposed to have deliverance 101 tonight. But there has to be a place where you say, God, I want you to come with power and cleanse me. That's what Peter was saying right there. Repent. Repent means I change my direction completely. I don't go there anymore. I just shift it. And God's going to, he'll, he'll make you white as snow in a moment. Come on, the wind of God. We, we continually, right, struggle with things, and God wants you to break out of it completely. And there's so much, listen, there's so much purity and grace that the Father just extends all the time. So I don't mean to be offensive tonight. Sometimes I just get a little raw, and I go out of the zone. And people look at me in the front row like, what are you talking about right now? So it's so No, they weren't. They weren't. So <laughs> I said that. I know. I know. I know. No. No, there was no, there was no, no looks. I promise you. Let's just move on before I get myself in more trouble. Holy Ghost. All right, verse four. So then, then those who were gladly received the, his words were baptized, just like that. And that day was three thousand souls, like the preaching of the gospel in power, filled with the Holy Spirit and power. The the, the end result is God's going to win a harvest. And this just isn't for Peter, but it is for Peter. Right? He wants us to move in power. He wants us to move in strength. He wants you to not be ashamed of the gospel. He wants you to go to places and not be afraid to talk to people about who he is. I'm telling you, the more we do that, the more we just express ourselves in, in, in the place where we feel like, oh, no, I'm going to be, no, you, listen, put yourself aside. And if we ask the Holy Spirit where we go, wherever we go, God, do you have something for this person? I guarantee he does. I guarantee he does. He wants to use you more than you understand and know. Right? Sometimes we just think, oh, no, it's my faith. I'll just keep it to myself. No, this little light of mine is supposed to be burning, blazing bright. Okay? Verse 42 and this is really where I wanted to start. Ready? So that was all an introduction. <laughs> Scaring you all. Man, it's 6.15 already. It says, and they continued steadfastly in the apostles' doctrine and fellowship and the breaking of bread and in prayers. Then fear came upon every soul and many wonders and signs were done through the apostles. Now all, all who believed were together and they had all things in common. Now, let me just stop here because culturally this is, like, foreign to us. But I'm not saying you can't give lands or houses to the apostles or the church or whatever. I'm just saying this is not like, this is not like, oh, yeah, here, I'll give you the keys to my house. Bye, I'm leaving, you know. Well, that may happen. But I want you to see the generosity that was on the church. The generosity to make sure that no one was in need. The generosity to have hearts of compassion that we give and we give and we keep giving to people around us. Not to help them continue in bad patterns, but to help them 
and to edify them and to encourage them. Amen? But I just want you to see the culture here because they, they, they got together. They had a lot of things in common. It was a kingdom culture that was in common. And it says this. It says that, that they came together. They continued steadfastly in the apostles' doctrine. That means they were doing exactly what Jesus taught them to do. And listen, after the, the 10 days, or before the 10 days, I should say, they had 40 days with Jesus resurrected teaching them about the kingdom. How many of that was fresh? ingrained in their spirit, man, they probably never forgot it. But here's what happens. We go 2,000 years ahead and we've lost the doctrine. Maybe not the whole thing, but we've lost a lot of it. And a lot of times we don't preach the resurrection. We don't preach the cross. We don't preach from the bee. How to be attitudes. I guarantee they remembered that sermon. It's in every gospel pretty much. Right? They remembered that sermon. They lived with him for three years. They knew what Jesus liked and they knew what he didn't like. And so I'm saying this to all of us in this room. Study the scriptures because the scriptures are going to bring you to the apostles' doctrine. And as we preach and teach in here, I'm going to try and stay as close as I can to the apostles' doctrine. It just means teaching. Because we get all kinds of wild teaching. And some of it's good and it's edifying. But I'm telling you, the Holy Spirit wants us to be in knowing about the blood of Jesus. Knowing about the resurrection. Knowing about sanctification. Knowing about the Holy Spirit and all the, all the things that the Holy Spirit will teach us. Just in John 16, we could just live there for a year. John 14. And every time we come together, we should be edifying and talking about Jesus, the Holy Spirit, and the Father. You need Him more than you need a teaching. And I know we gather, and, and here's the thing. They had community, so they were talking a lot about the Lord. That was their conversations, I believe. They talked about, wow, they talked about testimonies of what God did yesterday, or the, what, whatever happened, or what he was doing in their life right now. They came together in the temple. Here we are. Kind of Greek temple. But you understand what I'm saying? So we're, 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 we need to be baptized with the light of God. There's so much need for right now for us to come into a place where we sit under the light of God. Thy word is a lamp. His word's a lamp. The doctrines of the apostles came from where? The law and the prophets. I know we all think it came from Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. It didn't. That's just testimonies of what Jesus did. They taught out of the law, out of the Torah, and the prophets. Are you with me? <laughs> they didn't change anything. Jesus was the fulfillment of all this. And so as, the, as we see the apostle Paul, he gets lit up. Like he's the 12th apostle. Right, I talked about this last time. Remember, Matthias wasn't a good decision. I know, I'm saying stuff like random. No, they, they, they get through diet. They cast lots. And you don't hear anything about Matthias after that. Nothing. And then the apostle Paul gets wiped out off of a horse and the Lord appears to him. And then he went, where? Three years. Hmm. Hang out with who? Probably the resurrected Jesus, for all we know. Let it be unto you, whatever you're thinking right now. I, that's what I think. It says that he appeared to him, and he was taken up. <laughs> that's where you want to go. You want to be taken up. You want to be taken up. Here's the result. 
God comes, boom, hits the people with the Holy Spirit. Now they're, they're coming together. They fellowship. This is why we're doing Bible study together and eating. This is why we're trying to do koinonia once a month because this doesn't really work. This, you don't get connected. Because everyone's thinking, I got to get out of here. I got to go eat. So if we bring food, everyone will be together. Come on, everything's surrounded by food. Unless we're fasting. Come on. Listen, the apostles, they would spend time and they delegated and, 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 and the church just began to grow. So here's, here it is. We've got kingdom culture that God wants to bring into us, live and in color. He doesn't want us, he doesn't want to go, he doesn't want to vary away from that. We're like, ah, oh, I got schedules. I can't make it to that Bible study. I can't make it to that. I, prayer, nah, it doesn't fit my schedule. I'm too tired. I know, I'm going to get on it. No, seriously, because the more that we're together, I do believe this. You don't know, I don't know you unless I'm with you by the Spirit. I really don't. Unless I connect with you more and I spend more time with you and I pray with you. You don't know one another. And then we're supposed to raise up leadership, leaders that we don't even know. Matthias. I'm teasing, I'm teasing. Throw the dice. Who do we got? Who's up next? Come on. I'm teasing, but I'm not. Because Paul said this, know those, know those who labor among you. Know those who labor among you. That's not like, I know you, I met you yesterday. No. No, it means know those. Know the people that are around you. Know what they believe. Know where their personal life's at. Hmm. Right? This is why they spent time together, so that they could raise up deacons, so they could raise up elders, right? So God wants to connect people, but people are afraid to connect. I'm telling you, people become afraid to connect. And I think, honestly, I think what God wants to do is he wants to bring us together in a community you don't have to live with me. No, that'd be weird. Do you understand what I'm saying? He wants to bring people together so that we know one another. And again, I'm not putting this on anyone as a yoke. Because if you're taking it like that, you're taking it wrong. All right? But I am saying this, that the Holy Spirit wants to draw you together. He wants you to be in a community. He doesn't want you to just be out there by yourself. Masked and Lone Ranger. I'm partially comedian tonight. I'm telling you, he doesn't want that. He wants you connected in community. Because life, you do life with people. When we're isolated, we're seeking our own interests. I don't know, that's what Proverbs said. So they sold all their possessions. They divided among themselves anyone who had need. And so continually, daily, with one accord in the temple. Ready? They went back to the temple in unity. In unity. Together. I think if we look up, like, what that means, one accord, that means everyone was tracking together. Everyone was on the same page. They were all going for it. They were running together. And they went to the temple and then... Doesn't say that revival broke out in the temple, but it was something that they did do. And I believe that God can come and invade our, our times together in a powerful way the closer we come together, the closer we know one another. Amen? And so, so he continues to go on saying, 
They were breaking bread from house to house. There they go. They were eating again, eating their food with gladness. Of course they're happy. They're all eating. In simplicity of heart. I mean, it's just, just everything was simple. And we make things like super complicated. And God's trying to pull us together. And they, it says that they were praising God, having favor with all the people. And the Lord added to the church daily those who were being saved. So even after he had a massive harvest, it continues on. And I know the verse timing probably through this is not like a week. Right? It was time. Time invested, time together. God pulling people together. And then multiplication would happen. Why? Because people were excited. And then they would be in in their daily lives and they'd be touching people and then bringing them to community or a community dinner or something like that, right? Because that's how it should be. Actually, it should be an open option for people to come in. Like if you have a friend that wants to know Jesus or they don't know anything about Christ or they might be like the Holy Spirit drawing them, the perfect time to bring them is to a Bible study or to a Koinonia. God knows we have more than enough food. We could have a, half the neighborhood in here. Oh, I'm not kidding. I'm not kidding. You know what I'm saying? This is the heart of God for true community. And you say, well, that's your interpretation. No, I think that's what the word says. I think God wants to see us connected in a deep way. And not just like, oh, I'm looking for the next best thing, so this will be fine for now, but I'm not going to connect. I'm not going to really invest my life. Right? And it happens all the time. It happens all the time. You all right? Everyone okay? Okay. Okay. <laughs> I'm checking down the line here. So God blew this whole thing up. The Holy Ghost came and made a different way for them to walk. And then the result is this. Peter and John on their way to the temple. On their way to the temple, they're going to prayer or whatever they were doing. And it says that they come across a, a crippled man that Jesus probably walked by multiple times. And it was his day. And here's what I'm going to, I'm going to end with this. The Bible says that this guy that they went to, he was looking for money. Because that's what he did. He had the beggar's cloak. He was sit, they put, they, his, his friends or family put him there. And that's what his life, that's how he got his money. And we see it all the time. America's notorious for it now. They're waiting at stoplights. And the Lord wants to just touch people. And we don't... We don't even roll our window down. I'm guilty of it. But here's what happened. There was a miracle waiting to happen. They rolled the window down. And said, silver and gold, I have none. But what I have, what I really have, I can give to you right now. And he looked up. The Bible says he was expecting, expecting to get something. And I'm going to bring us back to that crippled person because all of us have been crippled. In some way, there's people in this room that have been crippled, frozen from fear, frozen from trauma, frozen from whatever. And God continues to come to us and say, listen, what I have, I'll give to you. Why did this come? This came out of the apostolic call that they came together. And now they're so lit with God. Later on, it's like Peter's shadow is like the drive-through. Peter's just beaming. with so It's not the shadow. It's the overshadowing of God over his life. And maybe we're not all going to be the Apostle Peter.
But Peter was just a fisherman. I can relate. I don't know about the rest of you. He's just a trade guy. And the Spirit of God was on his life in power. The one who denied Jesus, the one who Jesus told, get, get behind me, Satan. <laughs> you hearing me? That the Spirit of God would come and he would use you and he would call you, actually and beckon you even to that place. What do you need? What are you expecting? Because I feel like we come to church and we come with no anticipation. Sometimes. I'm not saying everyone in the room. But sometimes we, we just come because it's my obligation. And God's saying, listen, what are you expecting? What do you expect? And I want us to just pause there because God wants to do something powerful for people tonight. I watched this weekend was crazy, like healing after healing after healing after healing. People's, that one lady got healed of three or four things, and she kept checking. I said, how about your shoulders? You said you had some type of like thing going on in your shoulders and your neck. She goes, oh, I don't feel that either. I said, so how are we going to know about the autoimmune thing? She goes, I won't know until later. I said, good, we're going to believe that you got healed of the tumor, you got healed of your shoulder situation, and now you're going to get healed of the autoimmune. And I said, stop trying to figure God out. I was nicer than that. Do you understand? What are we expecting from God tonight? What are you expecting from the Holy Spirit tonight? God wants to pull you into a deep place of, of community. We have to expect something. And part of it is trusting and reach. When, when, when the hand of the apostolic hand comes down and says, come, rise up. You've got to grab hold of it. Right? It's just basically Peter was Jesus. The same spirit that raised Christ from the dead was, it, was in Peter, and he just went like this. He said, I'm reaching down, and I'm going to pull you out of your situation so that every place where you are crippled and broken and every, every part of you will be healed in this moment right now. So I'm going to give us just a, a moment right now to just meditate before the Lord. Because we're going to ask the Lord, what do I need? What do you need from God? What are you expecting from the Holy Spirit? What are you expecting from your relationships? Because some of us go into relationships and we don't have any expectation. And God wants to breathe on the relationships. And he wants you to trust people again. So I'm just going to let us just, let's just wait on this a minute. I like to pray for people. If they got any physical condition, I want to pray for people tonight because I feel like there's such a flow of healing that if you've got, I, I watched, I'll talk for one more minute and then we're just going to go back. But I just testify, this, this gentleman had like this, he goes, my stomach is just, he's got irritated bowel syndrome, whatever was going on. I just laid hands on his stomach. I said, put your hand on your stomach. And I just touched him. And he's falling down. I don't think he wanted to be falling down, but he was falling down. And the Holy Spirit just totally took care of it. I won't know the fullness of it till, till next week or whatever, but I believe, I believe God was moving in such power the other night, last night. This was last night. We prayed for people for like three hours. And I woke up at four. I'm saying this because I feel like I still feel jacked up. I feel like God's like could do anything right now. I, see, this is the expectation. I'm talking to myself tonight. You don't even understand. I have to come into this place and say, what are you expecting to happen in community tonight? 
how are you expecting me to move tonight? Because sometimes I'm like, it's just church again. I watched this young man get completely delivered of all kinds of stuff in literally 10 minutes. It was glorious. There was all kinds of manifestations and growling and kind of crazy stuff going on, but I'm, it was glorious. I'm like, let him manifest. They're all the ladies are over there praying for him. Good, pray. But he came up. He was new. I watched a guy who was, I had a word. It, like the Lord just gave me a word for him. And he, he got saved two days before, literally. He, got, he came to Christ two days before in the meetings. He's Cuban, and Maria led him to Christ. Of course, she's Cuban, and they know all the same people. It was amazing. But I watched day after day, God began to pour something new into him, pour something new into him. He was transformed. <laughs> he didn't like me the first time I ministered, I promise you that. He wouldn't leave. He was like, Hugging me, wanted my, you know, I gave my information. It was just glorious. God changed him. Repentance happens and you just turn. If true repentance happens, you just turn. It just changes everything. I'm telling you guys. So there was, I say that because I just came out of a place with his expectation. I'm not saying you guys don't expect anything. I'm not, because I know this place. This place is super hungry. But we get, we know each other in a familiar way, and in some, some cases, and we, and we don't expect the Holy Spirit to move through the next person upon us. Do you understand what I'm saying? And God has gifts all around you. You don't, you don't even know. Because we don't take time to connect. All right, I started talking again. I'll stop. I want you to come forward. If you, need, if you need something from the Lord, I want you to come with expectation that God's going to touch you powerfully. Powerfully. And everyone else, I want you to stay in this place of expectation. God, here's what I'm expecting from you. I want you to actually, it would be good to like go before the Lord and write these things down. I'm encouraging journaling right now. God, what do I expect from you? Even in the, even in the realm of like what does community look like for me? Because we avert sometimes being connected. Because we've been hurt before. Because we don't trust people. And the Lord wants to heal that. All right? 